Hey there, Margie Bryce here bringing you the Krabby Pastor Podcast. And I don't think you're going to be too surprised to know that it's too easy today to become the Krabby Pastor. Our time together will give you food for thought to help you be the ministry leader fully surrendered to God's purposes and living into whatever it takes to get you there and keep you there. So we're talking about sustainability in ministry. I'm spending a bit of extra time on being a servant. I mean, I think it's fair to dig into serving a bit more You know, some have a negative perspective on that term. And I know some people who look at healthy functioning um, also look at at what point is your helping and your serving not helping. And I guess I would say to that, uh, that is a matter of prayer between you and God. And I don't mean to simplify that. Um, Not everything is a formula that we can follow and you have to be careful Are you following the formula or are you following Jesus? And I will say that I've run into moments in my life where um, my Christian values and ethics came into conflict with, okay, at what point am I serving too much here? But anyway, um, I want to talk more about servanthood because it's a key piece of living a canonic lifestyle And that is a spiritual self-care. And remember, we're talking about where Jesus offers, you know, a reasonable pace and the load is light, right? Matthew 11, 28 to 30. So I want to go back to Paul, who planted lots of churches, who established many, many faith communities. So by today's standard, you know, he would have seen as like a church planter on hyperdrive or something. But I want to look at the be- at the beginning uh, for a moment of Philippians and where Paul introduces himself and Timothy as servants of Christ. Doulos, if you're into the Greek, and I hope I pronounced that correctly, you can assess me demerits if I did not. This is the only place where Paul pairs himself with another individual and ties his identity and the other person's identity with a servant designation. Paul and Timothy are the doulos of Christ. In simple terms, it's one who gives himself up to the will of another. So, The servanthood, then, for Christians, for people who follow Jesus, is tied directly to Christ. So let's remind ourselves that Paul is addressing concerns he has for the people at Philippi. Some at the church were tempted to be, you know, unloving, divisive, selfish, arrogant, and overly concerned about their own rights. And I know none of you know anybody in any congregation today is remotely like that. There's my Pauline attempt at sarcasm. It's after all these concerns, though, that Paul reminds them of the model that believers are to imitate. They're to imitate Christ Jesus, who did not seek out his own rights according to status, but instead chose to fulfill the mission God had for Christ to fulfill. So, Rights were set aside, rank was set aside, and power was set aside by Jesus 
to do the will of God the Father. So Jesus laid down his rank, his status, his power, fulfilled the mission, which, by the way, didn't benefit Jesus. It benefited others, us included, to this very day. So Paul urges the faith community to follow this example as they live out their role as a continuation of Christ's work in the world. That We're charged with that today. We are a continuation of Christ's work in the world. Paul asks them not to be uniform in opinion, but to have a unity in Christ that sees others as better than themselves, regardless of rank, station, or even capability. So for Paul, here's here's what I felt like Paul is saying here, is you, you come to a doorway, there's two people, they walk up to a doorway, and one of them says, after you, you go first. And the other one would say, no, after you, you go. Now, apply this to maybe a meeting and have someone say, no, I think we should go with your idea. And the other person says, no, I think we should go with yours. So, (laughs) you know, now plant that picture in your mind. And I believe this is some of what Paul is getting at, because that's not the norm that I'm aware of that I have witnessed. Doesn't mean it's not out there. I have not witnessed it. So the goal here is to pursue humility and the interests of others, just as Jesus refused to exploit the power that was his equality with God. God gave it to him and and instead demonstrated his deity in the role of a slave to fit in with the larger purposes of God which sought to benefit someone other than your own self. So I want to roll through that idea one more time just because. So the goal here is to pursue humility and the interests of others, just as Jesus refused to exploit or use the power that was his, and instead demonstrated his deity in the role of slave to the larger purposes of God, which seeks to benefit someone other than your own self. This is big stuff. This is big stuff. Now, here's a bit about servant life in the ancient Greco-Roman world, because, you know, the question is, why, oh, why would Christians voluntarily take on the title of servants? Why, oh, why would they choose the low road of the culture, so to speak? And the reasons are kind of interesting, and and they make some interesting connections, I think. So, in all cases, servants were expected to respond with unconditional obedience and unquestioning loyalty to the master. I mean, that's just how it goes loyalty to the master. There would be no breaking rank here. Their actions reflected where their loyalties really were. And it was not to their own agenda, but to the agenda of the master. 
So servants also in that era understood their rank within the household and their rank of their household within the culture. Servants could jockey upwards. You know, we all seem to aspire to a higher place, more power, better rank. This is our tendency. When we compare ourselves with others, which that is not ever a good idea anyway, it gets you into trouble. But when we do that... Just, you know, there might be a couple out there that do that. When we compare ourselves with others, which is usually, you know, the slippery slope, we look to those in a better position than ourselves, mostly, right? We don't automatically go to the lower position. So at that time and that place, the ability of servants to improve their lot rested in the status of the master. Who they served was important. And this was known kind of as a status by association. So this status by association directly connects how early Christian leaders saw representation of their master. I guess you could say representation, but I like to say representation because you're presenting again the master. So in our case, it would be Jesus Christ. In this case, the use of slave language by Paul and other believers shows how culture was brought like into the faith community and kind of redefined. And that is a an issue that happens a lot for early Christian leaders like Paul. Their status reflected the founder of their faith, Christ, and their authority and identity was based there as opposed to within their own selves. So for Paul, this label of doulos tied to Christ was not merely a title. It was how he lived out his identity in Christ as presented, especially in the hymn that was in Philippians 2, 5 through 11. And, you know, you can go and check that out. Hey, Margie Bryce here, and I have something free for you. If you are unsure of what your mindset is when it comes to self-care, if you know you should do self-care, but you're just not sure how to get that rolling, how to get started, I have a free ebook for you, and it is about radical self-care, and it will get you started thinking about it and has lots of helpful information. Actually, what it is more than anything else is a journal style kind of piece that will help you work through the process of self-evaluation so you get a sense of where you are with self-care. So to get this free ebook, I'm gonna put a link in the show notes. And you can access it from there and it can help you get started on the self-care that you know you should be doing anyway and get you started maybe on taking some definitive action to ensure that you have the sustainability necessary to go the distance with God. So Paul's imprisonment was basically for being an obedient and loyal servant to Jesus Christ. You know, that's why he was in jail. But like even in jail, Paul continued to work to advance the gospel. He was pretty no 
he was pretty no-nonsense and nonstop about it. He wanted to be on God's agenda. So his chains were well known for being there for the sake of Christ. And three times in the first two verses of Philippians, Paul makes it clear where his devotion lies first to Christ and then to the needs of the faith community at Philippi. So in the case of New Testament communities of faith, like many are today even, the master we are tied to is Jesus Christ, you know, the one who emptied himself of himself and and the desire to get his own rights to the table, emptied himself to be filled with God's purposes on behalf of humanity, on behalf of other people, you know, the likes of you and I, we're that wily little bunch there. And then we're to mirror that. We're to mirror living into laying down ourselves to benefit other people. And I guess for those who are into family systems theory and healthy functioning, uh, what you're going to say is at the end of the day, is the helping that I'm doing really helping? And, and what do I need to be doing with that when you run up to situations where you're like, you're not sure if your serving is, is really benefiting um, and again, that's that's a matter of prayer for you to ask God in that specific situation. So for Paul, the possession of a right to act in a certain way, power, status, rank, and even prior to being in jail, Paul did have a lot more power, status, and rank. By refraining from stepping into the power, status, and rank and exercising those rights, out of love for other people is actually a very Christ-like love. So in choosing this canonic way in ministry leadership, there is no competition really, but there is a collaboration, say among a staff, a leadership team, a group, working all together for the purposes of God. Effective ministry is actually an inside job. For those who follow the Wesleyan branch of Christianity, it is a question of the heart. And I'm saying about, you know, uh, the Wesleyan branch, John Wesley was always talking about it's a matter of the heart. It's a matter of the heart. It is about leadership, character and intention. You know, why are you leading? Is it to serve or to be served? Because you really can't fake being a servant leader. Well-known Christian writer and author, Pastor Eugene Peterson, in his book, Under the Unpredictable Plant, you know, offers a picture for ministry leaders that we can consider here. And he, he offers this kind of thinking. So a ministry leader needs a heart bent towards serving God. This is an essential motivation. You know, motivations, you can't guess someone else's motivation. Motivations are internal, but we know what our own motivations are as we examine them before God. So you have to have a heart bent towards serving, serving God. This is an essential motivation when we are serving to expand the kingdom of God. Anything less means that we kind of have lost our moorings, which can easily lead to the type of of uninspiring ministry leaders that Peter 
Watson actually encountered as a youth, and he described them this way. They were cheap parodies of sideshow barkers. And then there were later ones he encountered who were full of dull parodies of corporate executives. They had been institutionalized into blandness, turned into religious business people who worked hard for the company. Or, I might add, they liked the franchise dance above all else. So turning a vocation into a job can yield ministry leaders who do the right actions with a heart that is distant towards God. And that, my friends, is easier to accomplish than you might think. It is a matter of motivation. And you, before God, in all honesty, know what your motivations are. So while our natural inclination is to kind of seek after more and higher, right? This can be opposite of the place where God intends to plant you, to water you, and to grow you. And I hate to say this, but this is frequently by being in challenging scenarios or through failure, because it's in those challenging times that we learn how to trust God more and more. And I'm right there with you. I hate that with a passion. I hate that you. we all learn better we all grow more. Hmm. We all mature more through the difficulties that God brings us through. Got it? God brings us through. So kenosis is like often found after frustration. It's at the end of ourselves, typically followed by the rewards of growth in faith. That may not be nickels and noses. You know, that the rewards is that it's a growth in faith. That's kind of a an intangible asset, I guess you might say. But through growth, we learn to accept that God really does place us where we are. Like I like to say, I am where I am because God put me here. And if the master, God, places us there, that is the place where we're to live out servanthood. And kenosis works regardless of location. As long as you are functioning in your identity as a servant of God. So as ministry leaders, what do we do with this? I mean, uh, that's a lot. That's a lot. I am where I am because God put me here. The challenges and the frustrations are going to here to help me grow and to be a more mature believer. That's a lot to think about. But as ministry leaders, we need to be sensitive to the impulses of our own motivations and know that there is a tension at work within us between self-giving and self-serving, right? Between personal pursuits and service in Christ's name, you know, and we can handle these tensions more genuinely, more constructively when we don't deny or evade it, acknowledge its presence, and let our connections to Christ rather than our selfish impulses. And that means that's, you know, impulse when you're ready to act quick. Sometimes we need to slow the pace down, but we want to let our connections to Christ rather than our selfish impulses form our actions. 
I'm going to offer to you a final comment from uh, Bishop Shanazi in his book, Ambition in Ministry. He says, in service to Christ, we often say, here, take some of mine. And we're also at the same time thinking, I kind of wish I had all of yours. Trusting that this is not a loss of self, but actually the first step towards recovery of self. Because as we identify with the purposes of God, that, my friends, is when we find our true selves. Be blessed this day. Hey, thanks for listening. It is my deep desire and passion to champion issues of sustainability in ministry and for your life. So I'm here to help. I stepped back from pastoral ministry and I feel called to help ministry leaders uh, create and cultivate sustainability in their lives so that they can go the distance with God and whatever plans that God has for you. I would love to help. I would consider it an honor. And in all things, make sure you connect to these sustainability practices, you know, so that you don't become the crabby pastor.